the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. It is the Nick D Podcast. Hello. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Share. Tell all your friends. Please give us feedback. Rate and review us on every platform and check out every podcast on the great Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Um, My thanks to Jason Skaggs for all the sounds and the music and the themes and all that cool stuff. Hey, you want to be a sponsor? You can advertise with us on the Nick D Podcast. Uh, Sales at Radio Misfits. If you want to be a part of the Nick D Podcast with a voicemail message of some kind, any kind, 24-7, we encourage the voicemails. 773-417-6948. Any emails, feedback, comments, questions, anything. Uh, uh, Megaphone message requests. Uh, send your email to nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Coming up on episode 99. That's right, 99. Oh, yes, episode 99. You got to love it. It's like Barbara Feldon, and that joke just aged me. And if you get it, good for you. You're over 50. Uh, anyway, on episode 99, uh, my old friend uh, uh, Tara Handren is going to join me. She's a terrific actress and a good writer, um, and she also is sober. And we're going to talk about how she transitioned uh, from uh, you know all the alcohol problems that she had, uh, transition to being sober, and how she helps other people get sober. If you are a regular listener and you know me at all, you know that I'm a recovering alcoholic. And Tara uh, is a, uh, an actress that I actually directed many years ago in a play, and she's gone on to, to become a counselor and works at treatment centers and is in D.C. helping people out. And she actually wrote a one-woman show about uh, sobriety, getting sober, and about meetings called uh, Drunk with Hope. We're going to talk with uh, Tara and catch up with her. And she's amazing. Esmeralda Leon is going to join me, as we always do. We're going to talk about more of the celebrity romantic stories. We've got a megaphone message to get to, and we're going to taste some more Japanese snacks. That's all coming up on the show. A little more details about the Zanies show. Our next live event is Tuesday, January 17th. Our special guest is unbelievable Emmy Award-winning stand-up comedian and writer Dwayne Kennedy, live on stage with us, 847-813-0484 or rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets now. This is going to be a big seller, so get those tickets now. It's going to be interactive. We're going to be giving stuff away. You'll be a part of the recording of a podcast. Me, Esmeralda, my dad telling jokes, the amazing Dwayne Kennedy, all live right in front of you at Zanies and Rosemont on Tuesday, January 17th. Get those tickets now. So we'll talk more about that and everything. So it's going to be a fun podcast. We'll continue to jump along here. And uh, episode 100 is next. And that's going to be a a very special episode uh, with all kinds of clips from the past. And uh, me and Esmeralda will be your hosts. And we will guide you through some special voicemails and some special wishes and clips from the first 100 episodes of the Nick D podcast, which will drop on Friday. Right now, though... Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. I know you do, baby. My old friend Tara Handren is joining me after I say congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. 
It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jagoff. I am very excited to uh, welcome to the podcast uh, an old friend of mine um, who I directed in a play, man, many years ago, um, and uh, just thought she was amazing, and uh, she was terrific in the show, and she's a terrific actress and a great writer, and and as the years have gone by, um, we also have a lot in common um, in the world of getting sober. And uh, and I and I talked to her about that on her you know on on uh, on my old show on the on the radio show and I wanted to bring her back to talk about uh, you know just her and the writing and she's got a one woman show that she wrote about uh, getting sober called Drunk with Hope and uh, I one of the reasons why I wanted to bring her on besides the fact that I think she's great is um, it's we are smack dab in the middle of the holiday season and this is some of the this season is one of the roughest times for people who are uh, attempting to get sober or stay sober. So I wanted to talk with her about that and much more. Um, and that is uh, my old friend, uh, Tara Handron. Tara, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having me. I always love talking with you. It's great. So um, you are in uh, D.C., and uh, what's 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 happening weather wise out there? Because uh, as we speak, some real heavy shit has been happening around the country. You know, it's cold. It's it's getting to be winter here, but you know, it's definitely not Chicago. <laughs> it's yeah. not not as cold as some parts, but um, it's getting chilly. It's yeah. getting chilly. The, there's been some stuff being dumped, uh, you know, in the middle of the, towards the East Coast. Uh, uh, they're getting some horrible stuff as we speak. Um, so hopefully everybody will be surviving that. But yeah, no, it gets, you've been here. You've been here. How long were you in Chicago, by the way? I was in Chicago eight years. And, um, but it's funny because Nick, everybody, not everybody, but many people here in DC think I am from Chicago. <laughs> sure. <laughs> because I moved here from Chicago. And also I love Chicago. I still love it. It had this incredible impact on me professionally, personally. Um, so it, eight years compared to like now I've been here for 16, which just seems crazy. Yeah. Um, but those eight years were like so important and such like kind of formative years for me. So yeah. 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 Well, one, hey, listen, you know, one, once you're once you're in Chicago, it never leaves you. I don't care. I mean, I'm born and bred, Tara. I, I grew up. I don't know. I mean, I think you know this already. I grew up like just blocks away from Wrigley Field on Addison. So I'm born and bred here but i always know that people who have moved here and spent a significant amount of time here we you know the city stays with you um you know it's funny here in dc um if i see anybody with like cubs white socks i'm like hey and like sometimes they're like you're super weird and i'm like oh you must not really be from chicago (laughs) right 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 because they'd be we we were always happy to talk about our sports teams in chicago so there you go really Yeah. yeah Well, uh, I just want to properly introduce you. Currently, you are living in D.C. As you said, you've been there for 16 years, and you are the VP of Fundraising and Marketing with Unity Healthcare in Washington, D.C. Please tell me all about Unity Healthcare, and what does the VP of Fundraising and Marketing do? I think I can figure it out because the title is kind (laughs) of self-explanatory, but please tell me about uh, Unity Healthcare out there in uh, D.C. 
I will. I am, um, you know, I I had been working for gosh, over 12 years in the um, addiction treatment field, which I loved and was amazing. And realized recently though, that I had never really worked for DC, if that makes sense. Like for people who live here, for an entity that truly serves DC and Unity is such a special place. It's been around since 1985. Um, it started off as an organization called uh, Help for the Homeless. And uh, so it was it was healthcare for people who are homeless. That is, that is how it started. And then over the years, we've expanded and we have all these clinics all over DC. We provide um, health services in halfway houses, in, um, uh, in, homeless shelters in, we actually provide it in the DC jail. And our mission is to provide healthcare to any DC resident who needs it, regardless of the ability to pay. Oh man, that's amazing. That's really great. Yeah. How did you end up um, there? You said that you were working, um, you know, in, in the, in that area before, but never, uh, how did you hook up with Unity? Well, it's so interesting because um, the treatment center I had been working for, um, Ashley Addiction Treatment, which is amazing. And what's funny, they've been around since the 80s as well. Um, I had worked with a woman by the name of uh, Tasha Hershey. And Tasha had made a move from Ashley to Unity to become their chief HR officer. And we just kept in touch. And um, just over the years, like over time, um, you know, something, you know, she had, there were some changes happening at her organization. And, um, and I really was, I was thinking, I like helping people. Like, that's my mission. I want to help people. And I've been helping addicts and alcoholics get sober and try to afford treatment. And I thought, well, what about the people in my neighborhood? Because I see people in my own neighborhood who are struggling and still wouldn't be able to afford to go to one of those places. So I was like, how, how do I help more people who are like literally right in my neighborhood? So yeah. um, that's kind of how it happened. Wow. Oh, that's great. And so how long have you been with, uh, with uh, Unity? Oh, my gosh. I've been here for six weeks. <laughs> oh, so you're new. Oh, my God. It's that new. It is oh. very, very new. Oh. Yes. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, congrats. <laughs> then I guess congratulations is in order. If I <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No, I, it's. And it's been amazing so far. We have incredible leadership. Our CEO, uh, Dr. Jessica Henderson Boyd, is a longtime Washington family. Grew up in Anacostia, which is uh, very much a you know uh, is is a still a neighborhood that that needs more resources and more support. And that is where we have a center. And um, she's incredible. And we just have all these amazing people in our leadership team, many of which are female and many of which are African-American. And um, I, I'm, I'm excited for the direction that we're going in. That's so great. And by the way, I do want to mention this. I follow you on Facebook, uh, you know, and I saw that recently you were uh, doing a little fundraising for, yes. um, for um, Unity on your Facebook page. And I would love you to plug that. So if people want to help out, um, they can. I mean, you guys are doing important stuff in the D.C. area. And uh, even though we're not in the D.C. area, people should care about uh, people all around the world at this time, yep. especially. And if uh, if people want to give a little dough and help out Unity, do what they do in D.C., tell us how we can do that. Well, I mean, you can always find me on Facebook, Tara Handron Quinlan. Quinlan is my, my husband, my married last name. 
Um, and, uh, or you can just go to unityhealthcare.org. And when you get to that first page, you will see that donate button. And if you just click right on there, um, it'll take you right to where you can make a donation of any amount. Um, yeah. every amount is, is so incredibly Absolutely. helpful. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. you know, and, and I think what we are in DC and not in yeah. Chicago, at mm-hmm. the same time, yeah, yeah. at the heart of the United States, you know, and, and so there's just, I don't know, there's something about, I think, you know, caring for our nation's capital and the people who have been here for generations and have seen, you know, all the administrations and all the changes and all the sort of crazy things that have happened here. So I think, yeah. I think everybody can help DC. <laughs> absolutely. Well, absolutely. Yeah. No, no question about it, but just give, it's that time of year. And, um, and exactly. you know, and it's, and it's tough, you know, uh, this is what we're going to be talking about here, uh, uh, you know, about staying sober and about addiction. Uh, it's a tough, it's a tough thing, man. It's a real tough thing. And I'm speaking and you are speaking also from, from, personal experience um so and any kind of help and any any kind of help to get people better and to get people sober um just every little bit helps there's no question about that so so tara how did you begin acting let's go let's go let's go back uh were you when you were i think i know some of this because we've talked about this in the past um but uh what what when did you begin acting when did you know hey i think i want to act when did that happen for you Mm. Well, at a young age, I started doing ballet. Um, and I also really enjoyed singing. And, it, you know, I was like, I was that little kid at family gatherings and my mom or dad would be like, sing a song for grandma, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, and I loved it. And, and like probably many young women who grew up with the show Annie, um, I still to this day remember seeing it on Broadway. And I mean, I had to have been like, I don't know, seven, eight years old. Like, where did you? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Tara. Where did you grow up? Oh, I grew up in New York. In New York. Yeah. yeah. And my dad. You said I saw it on Broadway. I saw it on. You said I saw it on Broadway. I want to make sure that everybody was like, they (laughs) know that. Okay. All right. So, okay. This is in New York. Okay. Totally. Totally legit in New York. Um, and, um, and, and so I remember seeing that show and I remember going home and taking my big record album out and putting it on my little record player. And just like, I was like, I need to do this. I need to do something like this, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. um, and my father and both my parents both always encouraged me to perform and, and sing, dance, whatever I wanted to do. And my dad, uh, lived in New York City. So, I, I mean, I still have a huge stack of playbills from all the oh. plays and musicals. I mean, it's so neat. I mean, That's I'm cool. talking stuff like, you know, Six Degrees of Separation at Lincoln Center with, oh. you know, Laura Linney, oh. fresh out of Juilliard. I mean, like, yeah, so it just, I got the bug and my parents always encouraged me to so I did mostly musicals actually so all throughout high school musicals a lot of singing a lot of dancing and then at the end of um high school I was like if I'm gonna go to you know if I'm gonna study theater in college I think I need more like theater training right like I've had a lot of singing lessons a lot of dance lessons and um and so that led me to um eventually uh, going to NYU where I studied at um, Strasburg primarily, um, but I did do a summer with the Practical Aesthetics Workshop, which is is part of the Atlantic Theater Company, which was started by David Mamet and William H. Macy. Um, I actually had William H. Macy and uh, Felicity Huffman as instructors. And uh, yeah, and David Mamet did 
um, a couple of like you know kind of guest lectures for us and did even he had us did he come in house. did he come in and did he come in and lecture you on the proper way to use the word fuck was that, was, was that? <laughs> I think he was like you know what if you're here you probably already know <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah yeah but it was really it was it was an incredible experience and um yeah and then and then after that I you know, and if, if you want this part of the story, like, you know, I was living in New York and it was post-graduation. And frankly, I was going through probably what a lot of kids go through fresh out of college where it's like, you're kind of floundering. And especially if you are, you have been a, a drama major, an acting major, don't care what school it is. You're in New York city. You are one among like millions. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and mm -hmm. um, that combined with my own, drinking and mental health issues that were all getting sort of, I think, kind of misdiagnosed. Um, I was really, really miserable. And that was when I moved to Chicago because a good friend, uh, I think she had gone to DePaul as a friend of a friend. And she said she was doing all these cool shows. Chicago had great theater. And also, too, I just thought, well, New York is the problem, right? You know, because that that was always yeah. my thinking. It was like, oh, something else the problem, not my drinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not I, I, yeah, not yep. anything else. I'll just change the the scenery and we'll be okay. And, yeah. and, and you know, almost right away, yeah. I did. I got a show with, I was working with Griffin Theater and got an Griffin. apartment. And, yeah. 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 And, um, but then, you know, six months into it, I was like, oh, my dad said, yep, anywhere you go, there you are. And I was like, yeah. shut up. Because yeah. <laughs> you're right. Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the thing the, the thing is, I will I will say this. It's like, um, it, you know, I, it's it's interesting because I spent so many years in the Chicago theater community, uh, you know, doing storefront theater and stuff. Well, obviously, with the yeah. factory, as you know. Um, but yeah, no, you're you're it, leaving New York thinking, yeah, I won't drink when I go to Chicago and do theater. No, that's not. That's <laughs> definitely not the case. Definitely not the case. No. Um, as, no. a, as a as a as a as a years long uh, member of the Chicago theater community, I've done my best fucking drinking uh, in the Chicago theater community, um, and the heaviest <laughs> the heaviest part of my drinking was that. And there was a long period of time where like everything associated with me doing theater was so closely associated with drinking. It was one. It was hand in hand. It was like, I'm doing yeah. theater. I have a rehearsal. I will drink after the rehearsal. I have this. I will drink after that. Uh, we have an opening night. We will drink on the opening night. We will drink on the second night. We will drink on the third night. You know what I mean? It was just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It, it was, I, it was I know exactly thing. what you're saying. Yeah. And it, it was an interesting thing when I stopped drinking to need to sort of um, sort of look at like how I connected with my, my fellow cast members, right? Because I, you know, I sort of like, uh, I don't really feel like going to the bar every night. So yeah how else can I, I want to make sure I can still connect and bond. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I, I mean, again, it was that like kind of flawed, very sort of adult thinking of like, Oh, this time will be different or, or, I, or even the fact that like, oh, I'll go to Chicago and, and, and if I go there, I'll be able to control my drinking. Like I'm not going to black out anymore. I'm not going to wake up in weird places. I'm not going to get sick, you know, which was so not true. Yeah. <laughs> All those things happened there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I mean, New York. I mean, everybody. I mean, and, and I can understand that if you if you spent some. I mean, if you grew up in and around New yeah. York, um, then you're going to think, well, maybe, uh, it can't be as crazy. And I, and New York is crazy. I've done drinking in New York. I've in, yeah. <laughs> I have had. Oh, yeah. I've gotten drunk many times in New York City, uh, and and it is easy to associate that hectic, crazy yes. world of drinking exclusively with that city. But 
it can mm. you can you, you can you can get loaded anywhere is basically especially if you want to get loaded like, exactly if you want to get you know you're gonna find it and absolutely and and, and i did <laughs> yeah well let me ask you this so so you did yeah. that and you came to chicago and you were doing theater here and then mm-hmm. i cast you in a show called um uh, uh Jesus toast Christ. of the town god damn how do like just my favorite show that i've ever directed it truly is my favorite show that i've ever directed uh i i thought it was the funniest i still think it's the funniest show um that I've ever directed and I'm proud of the insanity that I kind of uh, put together in that show. And it's still, I have memories of just laughing my ass off every time I watched that show. Um, yeah. And it was like 2005, right? That was way back then. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah actually, it was like, I think it was the last one I did before I moved. That would make I sense. I think so. Yeah. That, I think yeah. so. Because you said, you know, 16 years that yeah. coincide that kind of coincides with you leaving Chicago. Um oh my gosh. So when you when you when you came to audition for us and you by the way you were magnificently funny in the show. I just want to say oh, that. Thanks. I, I thought you were great. And and also, I do want to say this. We had an extension and I want to I want to give you some props here. We had an extension on that show cuz it was so it did so well. It was such a huge success that we ended up extending and uh an actress named Laura uh, McKenzie uh, who was playing sort of the 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 comic female lead in it? She mm-hmm. was basically playing Groucho Marx. Yeah. Um, uh, she had to step out be- for the extension, and I, I I had you step up and play that role, and you kicked ass. And again, as you know, you know Laura. Those are some big fucking shoes to fill. Oh my god, they're huge, huge shoes, <laughs> huge. <laughs> and you kicked ass. I just wanted to I just wanted to say that not only in the in the the part that you originally played, but when you stepped up for that extension and you played that role, you were great, and you were one of my favorite people in that show, and you did a great job. Oh my god, Nick, thank you. I mean, you were you were an amazing director, and the cast that you put together. I mean, oh that was. Wow, everybody was fantastic. Everybody was so wonderful to work with. Like I can still remember being backstage and <laughs> like yeah, you know, we're like all crammed into like a closet yeah, and uh, yeah. but it was so fun. It was and so, it was so it, fun. it was you you're saying that you were crammed in. We for for let me just say this. The factory was a small still is, my god, not was, still is. And they need some help, by the way. If you want to donate, please donate to the factory theater. The factory's got, awesome. They're awesome, and they're trying to keep their space open. They had a Tara. They had a fucking fire at the factory. Um, oh no! And now, and in addition to being shut down during the during COVID and all the shit that could possibly happen, they had a fire, and they're still trying to raise a little dough to stay open to keep uh, ends meeting. So, factory theater, you know, they've been around for thirty years. This is the thirtieth anniversary this year, and um, they're well, and they're so wonderful. And they actually like not to jump ahead because I do want to talk just a little more about that show. You know, they let me come do a performance of my show drunk with hope. And yeah. we filled up the space and it was so, so fun. And yeah. they're just, they are the best. So, well, yes. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I was artistic director for that company for many years, uh, you know, and, and directed, I can't tell you the amount of shows I directed and wrote and appeared in and acted in and all that stuff. Yeah. And I, I have such a close and loving relationship with that theater. Uh, and what you said uh, crammed in a space because for, you know, the factory at that time when we were, that was when we were on Elston. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was about a 60 seat house. And there were like 19 people in that show. So that was, a, that was like, <laughs> the cast was ridiculous. It was like one of the biggest casts to have. Oh my gosh. I mean, yes. and, and to try and like have that all choreographed and to somehow do it, be a, you know, a, a, a traffic director alone on that yeah. show was insane. But yeah, when you say you guys were 
you know, I'm probably like, get out of the way. I need the mirror. Like that kind of. <laughs> or sort of like, I can't even see the mirror. So just tell me, do I look okay? Yeah, you know? exactly. And exactly. It, but it, you know, everyone was so amazing though. Like you never, and you're like chit chatting the whole time. And um, I remember I hadn't really, I, I didn't tell anyone in the cast at that time. I was, you know, like five or six years sober. And I didn't, you know, I didn't feel the need to like really tell people that I was sober. Yeah. But I did tell Tucker Curtis because I was like, ooh, we're going to bars a lot. So yeah. let me, I need to be accountable. And he was so wonderful because then, you know, people would not knowingly be like, hey, have a beer, have a beer. Tucker's like, she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 He's like my bodyguard. It was really, yeah. that makes me, really that, cool. that makes me happy. It really does because, you know, I mean, if you were, five to six years sober, um, you know, and anytime you're sober, it's always, there's, there's a, mo- well, look, I fell off the wagon uh, two years ago. Um, I was five years sober and, and I fell off the wagon after I got fired from WGN um, and mm. spent, and spent six weeks in my apartment, uh, not eating and drinking Jameson. And then I ended up in the hospital. Um, oh, and, and so, so I just celebrated in October. I celebrated two years, should have been uh. seven. I should be at seven. Fuck. God damn it. That's okay. I know. A, those five years, though, that still yeah. counts. Yeah, that I know. I, everybody You're says alive. that, but I, I'm so pissed about it. And, you know, and I and, and that's one of the reasons why I started to do this podcast, because I was like, I'm not going to let the fuckers who, who, who you know, the, the, these assholes who, who uh, canned me uh, win. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, after spending those six weeks, literally, seriously, Tara, just nothing but Jameson going into my system. Uh. Um, and then I will, I, after I got out of the hospital, I was like, well, shit, I don't know. I don't know if I, that's not cool. I was, I did it for five years. I should be able to do it again. And I'm just gonna, and that's what motivated me to get this thing going. Um, oh, and I've been it. doing it now, hundred, hundred episodes, uh, uh, this, the next episode will be number 100 for this podcast. Oh my gosh. So I'm 99. I really You're 99. Like that. You are 99. I really like that. <laughs> uh, but anyway. Number- on the edge. <laughs> I do. Well, first of all, um, I just I do want to say this. It, it, I apologize if I ever, um, because at that time I was a fucking drinker. Um, so I want to apologize if I ever made you feel uncomfortable before or after a show or anything like that. And I'm glad you told Tucker. And Tucker's a great yeah. dude. And I'm glad you, you were okay with the experience. I mean, um, you know, to even stay with the extension and to take on the bigger role. Um, because there's a lot, there was a lot of partying going on, Tara, you know that, um, <laughs> there, there, there was, and what was funny is, you know, I was talking to a, a, a dear trusted friend of mine who's also sober, who she had had a, a career at second city, all sorts of stuff. And, uh, I said to her, I said, well, don't I have to go to the bar? Don't I have to go? And she was like, I don't go to bars today. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, but what about if you're, you're doing a show did I? She's like, yeah, I just don't go to bars today. And I was yeah. like. Okay, yeah. that's intrusive, you know. It, and so, it, you know, I was like, okay, I, I will, I will invite people to coffee. I will get to the show early. I will find other ways yeah. to connect. Well, you know? I'm glad and that you were, were fine, by the way. You were wonderful, okay. and the cast was really wonderful too. Like, no one ever was like mean or bad or anything. Right. Like, I just right. was like, good for y'all, because you. I was like, I really just don't want to do that to you. you yeah, know, me drinking. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, I, no. I understand, and you know what? I totally understand. And I was just talking with a friend of mine, uh, Tony Fitzpatrick, who I, you probably have heard of. He's an incredible artist here in Chicago and a great actor yeah. and a really wonderful dude. And he, too, is sober. And he fell off the wagon during COVID. Um, mm. And we talked about it. And uh, it is one of those things where you don't, you know, you get to the point where, like, okay, I don't have to do that. I don't have to go out and, and drink. And there is a way to to do it, you know, without um, 
you know, without falling in, falling back into it. Um, yeah. And it's also, and ultimately what it comes down to, Tara, there, some people can drink. Um, yes. You can't. Yep. I can't. Nope. <laughs> my friend Tony can't. There are some of us who just can't fucking drink. And yeah. that's okay. We, you know, yeah. it is, and, and when we realize that, that's the important thing. Now, let me ask you, uh, Tara, what, yeah. was, there a, was there a moment where you said, I got to stop? Was there, was, there, was, was there an epiphany that you had where you're like, I have to stop drinking? Yes. So what's interesting, and I, I've heard other people who have had this experience, like there are some really, really bad things happen in a short period of time. Other bad things had happened, almost equally as bad. But for some reason, at that point, in at that time, it was April of 2000, um, I had just, you know, I had just done a lot of bad stuff. I, um, you know, I was actually trying to not drink so much. I had a very, very nice boyfriend. We'd actually known each other from growing up. And so what's interesting is that, you know, he had seen me partying in high school, but I don't think he ever anticipated, you know, years later that it would be the way it was, which was, you know, trying to drag me out of places, blackouts, like inappropriate behavior, just all sorts of stuff. And yeah, yeah. he was he was on a business trip and I was mad for no good reason. No, no reason. I think maybe just because he was traveling. I was like mad. And so I was like, yeah. you know what? I'm going to hook up with this guy. And it was a guy that I had been working with and he, we had been uh, I'd been temping at a place. And that was a that was a pattern for me where I would temp places as my day job. And like kind of keep keep it together while I was working there. And then as soon as I was done there, I'd go out with everybody, I'd party, I'd do whatever I wanted. And then it'd be like, cool, I'm never seeing you again, you know? Mm. And and so I did that and he totally found out. I was just like, I could not, I'm a terrible liar, which I'm glad because um, he, I, I had never seen him look so angry I had never like just just this whole side of him that I had never seen before. And again, someone who is very kind and like very, very understanding. And he was just like, I am done and was like throwing my stuff out of his apartment into the hallway. And um, and so I was like the next day I was going to Florida <laughs> to see my family to go to fucking Disney World. Oh, my and, God. Um, oh, yeah. It was a <laughs> oh nightmare. And so like. So he's like, get your own fucking ass to the airport. Um, and and so I did and I get to Florida and I'm just like crying the whole time. And I was so desperate that like, so I'm there with my mom and my brother and I was trying to keep it together and not ruin it for them. But like, I, I just like my life was literally falling apart and yeah, I'm yeah. calling my dad and I'm like telling my dad what happened. I'm sorry, but you got to be really, really desperate. <laughs> You're yeah. Gonna, tell your dad like yeah so i cheated on my boyfriend dad you know and, <laughs> right, um, right, 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 you know right. i will say my dad is a he's a he's a psychologist and um he he was really amazing like he was at no point was he like judgy or anything like he he was just like i love you all right well we'll, we'll just figure it out you know and yeah, um yeah, yeah. and i promised everybody i would go to a recovery meeting when i got back to chicago and i did and I looked for all the differences in the room. Like, so like if someone, I was like, oh, that person's gay or, oh, that person's older than me. Or like a lot of people with kids taken away, which is really sad. Yeah. Um, but like, I was like, well, I didn't have any kids taken away. So oh, I'm okay. Yeah. I, I don't yeah, belong yeah, yeah. here, you know? And yep. my mom, yep. God bless her. She just, and, and to this day, like I, I still, I think of it as like this window that just almost shut again where I just I told her everything and she was like she just wasn't having it and and she was like a like a, a an 
enabler in the most loving way <laughs> up to yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. she loved me. And yeah. um, but she was just like, you know what, Tara, just go to another meeting. Like she was just like, it's Chicago. <laughs> like yeah. they're probably like hundreds. You know, she just was not having it. And I was like, ooh, okay. And so I did. And and at that meeting I, I met someone some young women who said, Hey, come come to this group, you know, next week. And and I met a bunch of more young women. In fact, I I reconnected with a woman that I knew from the acting world. I was like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. We were like, we, we bumped into each other at like a benefit. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, but it was, so, it was like this crumbling <laughs> that happened. Well, so, yeah, I, I guess you have to, at some point you have to hit, for, for many people, you do have to hit some sort of rock bottom. I know that sounds like a well, cliche, but it's true. But it's true. There's yeah. got to be that, or that loss of something where it's like you never thought you would lose that. Thing. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And maybe sometimes it's even for some people, it's, it, it may be just dignity. It could be. I mean, for me, I've given up my dignity plenty of times. And then that didn't seem to be enough. I hurt my family. That didn't seem to be enough. And it wasn't until all that went down with the boyfriend who he was really like, you know, we talk about in recovery having like, you know, a higher power, like the universe is out there and there's something greater. And he was it for me, which is like, you can't do that. Like you're, you're, that's a losing proposition. If a human power is your like lifeline and enormous security. And so, yeah. yeah, So he, and what's crazy too, is like that whole year, like, so that year and a half that I was in, Chicago before I got sober, um, which by the way, I got super wasted at my cousin's wedding, like on my way to Chicago. Like I landed in Chicago massively hungover, like oh, right there. Oh. Like that, yeah. yeah. Like, yep. Come on, girl. Yep. Um, and so towards the end, I wasn't even drinking that often, but when I did, I never knew it was gonna happen. I almost always blacked out. And sometimes it was after like only one or two beers. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't yep. even like yep. my body was was saying like, this is really, really not okay. Right, right. Well, listen, so when you when you did uh, uh, decide that you were going to get sober and, um, and, and then, you know, you did, when did you decide that you wanted to help others do what you did? So it was interesting because I remember when I, um, you know, I was like first – figuring things out and making friends. And this, this, this guy that I met who at the time, and he had gotten, I was 26 and he had gotten sober, like, which I think that's pretty young. He got sober around that age. And, and he said to me, he said, Terry, you know what? He's like, you've been, you know, you've been doing, you've been sober now for like a month or so. You know, if you, if you're, you know, at a meeting or if you're somewhere where someone's having a tough time, like, you, you can be helpful. You, you have some experience. And right. at first I thought, well, I don't, I don't know about that. And then, but then I, I took that suggestion. And as I met other women who were, where you, you know, I could see it. I was like, Oh my gosh, that is me from like a month ago, two months ago, six months ago. And it's like, almost like you, you can't not want to be helpful. Right. Because you see like, yeah, the utter fear, like yep. ev- all of it. And so, and I remember when I started to do that with without strings attached, right? Because there were times later in my recovery where I was struggling and I was like, well, if I just go out and help people, I'll be fine. And I would do that and I'd be like, why am I not fine? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. can't put demands on it. But right. I realized like pretty early on, I was like, oh, it feels really awesome to, to help people and to not expect anything in return because that is how I grew up was like you know everything was like thank you notes this that you need something in return everything is transactional you know it's not you don't just give just 
to be kind, you know? I mean, I'm sure, I think I was taught that, but in my mind, everything had conditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's, that's you know, it's it's interesting because, like, when I, because I didn't get sober till, um uh, less than a month before my 50th birthday. That's, that's, okay. that's when I got sober. So I'd been drinking nice. for probably, I don't know, I don't know, but over 35 years, probably, yeah. uh, under my belt, and for about 25 of those, very heavily. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting that like 26, you know, you, you, anytime you get sober, it's a good time to get sober. In my opinion, it doesn't matter if you're young, it doesn't matter if you're old, as long as you do it, but it's interesting to hear other people's stories. Like 26, I'm like, I'm like to myself, you're a baby. You know what I mean? You (laughs) you still got, you still got in my, in my, you know, in my weird warped mind, you're like, you still got at least 20 good years of drinking to do, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but you know, here's the thing, but I really, you know, mentally emotionally and then my circumstances i really didn't and i even started having physical consequences like in college i had to get my esophagus stretched because of all the drinking and binging and growing up and everything like like it was bad and so you know for me my body was really it was it was it was not in a good way now my dad on the other hand he did drink a lot longer. My dad got sober at 74. Wow. 74. Good for, well, good for him. Yes. God bless him. Man. I know. Good for him. He's, he's amazing. And he's been sober now for over 10 years. And, uh, you know, amazing. what a, what a blessing. I mean, we have like a whole new relationship. It's, it's, but, course, but it's, yeah. it's right there, like, like you said, like, I mean, cause there were times where I looked at him and I was like, oh my God, are you not done yet? <laughs> I was yeah. like, I was like, that doesn't even look fun anymore, you right. know, and it probably wasn't, but yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting that you say that, and I, I know that this sounds, you'll understand this and I'm going to say, I mean, I might sound like a jag off here, but we're all like people who have gotten sober or are in recovery and we're never not alcoholics. We're going to be alcoholics till the day we die. That's, you know, right. you can say recovering alcoholic, but I am an alcoholic. You know what I yeah. mean? That's it. Me too. And, um, but the thing is like, we can... We, we there's that unspoken sort of nod you give to one another because you said yes. you could spot people. How, do you feel yeah. that way? Do you feel like we're in, and and I just I don't want to sound like a pompous jagoff or anything, but there is we're kind of in a club, right? Like where you can look what? at somebody and talk to them for two seconds, and, and is it does that happen yeah. to you? Oh my gosh, totally, totally. And you know what? That is a gift, and I get to enjoy that gift. I'm not gonna feel weird or bad because when I bump into someone else who lives a life without alcohol and like we got that in common that's something special we live in a society that still i mean hyper hyper glamorizes alcohol we live in a society that like we see we see the society attacking nicotine attacking cigarettes attacking vaping what's not getting attacked alcohol it just doesn't so not you know no offense alcohol companies but seems like you guys are doing just fine and everybody's willing to spend lots of money and ads and all that kind of stuff. So for those of us for whom it really is poisonous, yeah. um, yeah, I love being part of the club. I do too. I do too. Do you find it like when you're, uh, after you got sober, uh, did you find yourself going, my God, there's a lot of drinking in this show. Oh my God, there's so much drinking. And did you, did you, did it hit you like a ton of bricks just in society, in general, living a normal day? How much alcohol mm. is, it pops up in the world just during a normal day? It, it did. It did. Yeah. Um, I, you know, what's interesting. So when there was one show I did, which is still in addition to probably 
Tosa Town. Tosa Town and this other show are probably like my two favorites. And this was one show where we didn't do any drinking because it was um, it was a show written by Tim O'Malley, who's a Second City oh, alum, and yep. yeah, you know, probably like Tim. love yep, love Tim. him. Yep. And he had this show, God Show, about yep. his getting sober. And yep. um, and so what was so interesting is that I think. So I, I reached out to him when I after I saw the show and I was like, it's amazing. I was like, if you ever need an understudy or someone to like sweep the floors, like yeah. call me up, you know. And uh, and sure enough, the one woman who was in it, um, she had gotten a show in Milwaukee, and so he did want an understudy, and and it was such an amazing experience, and it was so fun to be in a cast where there was a, there were other people were sober. Um, and so there just wasn't even that that whole yeah. drinking vibe. Yeah. It was yeah, yeah. really kind of fun. It's also very unusual. It's also very unusual. It's so unusual. It yes. is. It is. <laughs> I do want to mention just to, I want to get back to really quickly Toast of the Town. Again, one of my favorite shows ever. Uh, and you know how often I would sit in the back and just watch. I mean, I didn't have to be there. I'm, my job was done on opening night. I directed the fucking thing. I didn't have to be there. Yeah. Um, but I, I literally was there. I, I probably saw that show during its run. I probably maybe missed four performances and I would just sit in the back and laugh my ass off. And one of the things that I loved about that show was uh, a lot of cast members, the, the only people who knew, and we were, you know where, I think you know where I'm going to go with this. There was an old TV show in the 70s um, yes. <laughs> that Ron Liebman, yes. the actor Ron Liebman was in, who was mostly known yes. for, like he was in Norma Ray, and the, the guy won the Tony for playing Roy for Cohen. Angels in America. Angels in America, which by the way, did you fucking see that? Did you see it? Him in I it? did. God damn I you. God I am amazing. I know. I, I we, oh my gosh. So we probably ticket. We probably I got a student ticket when I was at NYU and I'm, I you, saw it with Marsha Gay Harden. Yeah, saw God it with damn him. it. Oh. Jeffrey Wright, Jeffrey Wright. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh. All right. God damn Joe it. Joe Mantello before oh. he started directing everything. Yeah. Son of a bitch. So any, but anyway, I'm sure this came up. I'm positive that you told that story to me uh, uh, back when we were doing it because Ron Liebman became a running gag in the show. Yeah, I know. Particularly this show called Kaz that he was in. <laughs> and have you ever, have you, uh, when, when you first came in to Toast of the Town and we were doing the show, you had never heard of Kaz before, correct? No. I, I mean, I knew who Ron Liebman was, but I definitely did not. But now it's so funny because I'll see sometimes like, um, oh, <laughs> Oh my gosh, what's his name? Allison's husband, um, Manny. Uh, Manny will like put something like, oh, occasionally yeah, in. Yeah, like, Manny, Manny like, Tamayo. Yeah. Yes, yeah, he'll yeah. reference Kaz or something. I'm like, yes, I yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that was a thing. That was a joke between me and Scott. Scott Oaken, by the way, and Ernie Deke wrote that play. And, and Scott threw in all the Kaz stuff because that was a joke between me and Scott because we were obsessed with that show. And and nobody had heard about it. You know, nobody really knew what it was. There were very few people that knew what it was. And we and we threw it into the play. And it was one of those deals where it became a running gag that even if you didn't know at the beginning when you were watching that play, even if you didn't know what Kaz was, by the end of it, you were going to laugh because we were going to reference it so many fucking times. You were going to laugh. We were going to make you laugh. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah. And then I, and if I and I believe if I'm not mistaken, you know, when we would do the love circle at the factory and do your little you know, the little talk before the show, and then we all join hands and do the thing. I believe the the thing that we said was Kaz, right? It was Kaz. I am, yep. Yep, yeah. that was so, the final chant. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, glad that, I'm glad that I was able to bring Kaz into your life, uh, Tara. That's what I... I, I am so <laughs> grateful because, you know, I mean, yes, he was amazing in Angels, and that's like the most amazing show ever. Yeah, but yeah. I think 
people need to know about Cas. I think that's so an too. important service. That was a, that was a very important that was a very important thing for me and for me and Scott to do yes. was to turn people on to Cas. Anyway, uh, so so uh, let's get back to that. so really quickly. I do want to mention uh, Drunk with Hope, which you said that yes. you've you've performed everywhere. Tell me about how that started, and and that is a play about your sobriety, correct? So it is, and it isn't. Um, I there are bits of it, but when I was at Georgetown doing my master's. Um, I got this itch where I thought, well, gee, what if I wrote a play? And I didn't even have a concept or anything, but I remember talking to one of my professors and I think right. he probably didn't think I was really going to do it. And he just was like, yeah, sure. You know, and, 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 and by the way, the, the subject of writing a play about Kaz had already been done. So that was, <laughs> well, exactly. Cause I asked about that. I was like, can I do my thesis on Kaz? Oh, I can't. Okay. Sorry. Like, <laughs> like, okay. I'm sorry. What's your, What's your question there? What's the critical framework? What? Oh, never yeah. mind. Never mind. Um, <laughs> never mind. Um, yeah. Um, so, but no, so I, I was getting towards the, that point though of, of working on my thesis and a friend gave me the great advice of make sure you're, you're working on something, studying something that is really important and interesting to you because you are going to be like, that's all you're going to be doing for a while. And so I was researching, um, uh, women in recovery and the impact of the 12 step group dynamics. So, you know, like those, any, any program that ends with anonymous is, is, is a kind of 12 step group. So in this right. case, looking at alcoholics, anonymous groups and, um, and it was a, there was a portion of the program. It was, so my degree is communication, culture, and technology. And so for the technology piece at this time too, it was 2008. So I thought, well, let's look at online recovery meetings and they were terrible like they they they, you know they were they were like instant messaging you couldn't hear anything some of them use skype um but it was just it was it was a fascinating discovery to then like all these years later you know when the pandemic hit yeah and all the meetings shut down yeah and um so so just a but to go back to the, the the play, so I, so yeah, so I had all this research and I had all these great stories. So women I had interviewed, women who were friends of mine who who gave me the blessing to create characters based on them. Um, in some case, there were some like sort of compilation characters, like mixes of like my experience and someone else's experience, yeah. and then some abstract characters because in my mind, like alcohol was like another person so like there's a character called the chocolate martini because she is just this sneaky little bitch who would just yeah. be like come here tara you know yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's all good yeah, it's yeah. fine and then like personifying like fear and and other things like that that just they they felt so large to me that they did feel like characters so um and so yeah so it's like this series of monologues very much like um like vagina monologues of like just these different portraits and yeah. um yeah and so and, and so i i did it as part of my thesis i didn't necessarily plan to keep doing it but my friend who directed it laura brianza who's a wonderful writer and director she was like well maybe we could do this again and people told us they said if you did this again i would bring my friends and i was like okay so yeah, we yeah. just yeah, yeah we just we we i got a little crew together my friend carolina like she got all the ushers like she you know like all my friends just kind of like rallied around and helped me and i i self-produced it over here on h street playhouse in dc we got the washington post to come review it which is like 
not unheard of unless yeah. you're like, you know, arena stage or yeah. <laughs> studio yeah, yeah, yeah. theater thing. Yeah. And, um, and gave a good review, which was awesome. Nice, um, yeah. I think they were a little bit like low because it was, there's some mm-hmm. moments dark. Um, but, uh, yeah. And then I just was like, well, let me keep doing this. And then I started working in the addiction treatment field. And then all of a sudden I'm like meeting all these people who are like, oh, hey, do you want to come do it for our patients? Or do you want to come do it for we're having an alumni event, you know? And and so um, just got to do a lot of different places, did it in festivals to, yeah. you know, that was a suggestion from a, a director I had um, in Chicago. Norm Holly was like, do it in festivals, get sure. reviews, get it. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. Well, drunk. Damn. It's called it's called drunk with hope, and every, and every once in yeah. a while, do you still do you still bust it out and do it if people want want you to? I I do. So with COVID, I did it. I only did it once. I did it. I did a virtual one because I just wasn't. I wasn't really sure how that would feel. And actually, it's funny. You know, the nice thing is that friends of mine from like all over were able to do it. It was an event that we did with um, Karen Treatment Centers, which is I used to work for Karen, and mm. um, we did this nice event. And my mom said, "Wow, by doing it on Zoom," she said. It was like kind of eerie. She's like, I felt like you were talking directly to me <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, so I think it can have that kind of power. I'm actually preparing because I'm doing some updates to it because of like what technology has done for 12 step sure. recovery. Because it's it's sure. like a whole thing now. And so um, you know, people love it. Some people hate it. Um, but I'm gonna be doing hopefully a, a, a short run here in D.C. Um, in Georgetown at a place called the West Side Club where they host a lot of recovery meetings. So it's like, it's sort of like a, a perfect fit. Like people sure. who go there will be, mm-hmm. be like, oh yeah, cool. And and of course, any open to anyone, but um, you know, it's, if, it's that club thing again though, of like being able to perform for people who like, you know, they get it. They no, get, we get the it. Yeah, I got gotcha. <laughs> I, I got gotcha. yeah. Um And uh, if you ever bring it back here to Chicago, cause uh, I, I was oh. not able to, it was a one night only thing you did it with the factory. Um, I did, yeah. And I wasn't, I was not able to attend. And that was, what was that about six years ago or something? God, it was a while ago now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But, but, uh, but, uh, but anyway, people can get more information because you have a, a website and that's, uh, it's, it's terahandron.com. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's and it. That's, and that's, I am planning on like reaching out to some Chicago folks that like, cause there was, there's a treatment center called Rosecrans, which is a really oh, good yeah. one out there. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And, um, we, I was going to do an event for them, but then COVID happened. So, I was well, thinking I might, you know, anything, reach back any, out to them. Anything I can do. I still have, I still have connections here, uh, Tara. Oh. I don't know if, I, if they're still good, but any, anything I can do to help out to, to get you to, uh, to perform Drunk With Hope anywhere, I would love to help out. Um, I would you. love that. Thank and you. There, yeah. there are so many things we didn't, we didn't really touch on. I mean, we, you know, like you were mentioning about how, but <laughs> uh, about, you know, how society uh, has, th- I, I do want to mention this. Do you know that I did not know, because everything has to be sort of alcohol related in some way. Like there's a, there's this this uh, image that people have that in order to be cool you have to drink. Ugh, I know. And, and, and all right, I was at the Music Box Theater to see um, a screening, and they had like a sponsor, and the sponsor was Liquid Death. Okay. Oh yes. And, yes. And so and so I'm like, you know, and they're like, hey, do you want a can of Liquid Death? I'm like, no. Um, I'm sober. I don't want a can of liquid death. And, and cause I thought it was, I fuck, I fucking yes. thought it was, uh, uh, I thought it was malt liquor. I honest to God thought it was malt liquor. It's yeah. water and, and it's water. It's mineral water. It's, it's sparkling water. It's regular water, flavored water, but it's called liquid death. And the can is huge. It looks like a can yeah. of malt liquor. And I immediately was like, what the fuck? And for, so all this time until this year, Tara, 
I did yeah. not know that liquid death was water until that night about two months ago. And yeah. I was like, you're kidding. So even water has to be advertised like that? What are your thoughts, what are your thoughts on I that? Mean, I don't even know because I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> but then, you know, there are, I think, people in, you know, who are also trying to, like, just make water and health and wellness cool and edgy yeah like for me i but you're right like but i think you there's a lot of people who i had no idea that's what it was and then yeah. i was I, you know we when i was with ashley we were doing work with this really wonderful guy charlie engel who's a ultra marathoner he's sober um i should get you a copy of his book like he's got Love this it. amazing story yeah Love and it. he he introduced me to to was it the death water or whatever liquid it death. is liquid, like, liquid, liquid death it's liquid and death he was yeah. like yeah he was like no it's it's really great and here's their mission and, and i was like yeah wow okay. but see but see the thing is and then after i after i you know i try you know i tried the product which i it was a can of sparkling water i was like oh this is good yeah. and then i at first of being like put off by it i was like oh, okay well cool i mean if they want to make you know, drinking water, which is a healthy thing to do, and definitely a better alternative than drinking fucking, you know, malt liquor. Um, totally. uh, I, I, I'm i all for that. But it took me a minute. I was like, what the fuck? You know, like, <laughs> so this product yeah. that I literally thought was alcohol was like, it's water? And so, you know, maybe I'm, some people don't even know that. They see liquid death. Maybe they're listening to this and going, oh, my God, that's water. Yes, it's canned water. It's not liquor. Right. So, well, and then anyway. there's the opposite that's even more dangerous, which is the things that do have alcohol. Like you don't even know it. Like there's, yeah. there's this like um, there's this like just little market I go to, and they almost always have, I guess Topo Chico, the sparkling water. They now yeah. make water with alcohol in it, and it's like right by the register. Yep. And so part of me is like, like sometimes I think like, oh, I'll, oh no, I won't grab one. <laughs> I, yeah. I, 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 that's not for me, but like, yeah. it's, it's really frustrating because you really have to like, look carefully because there's just even the most sort of seemingly benign things now Absolutely. that have alcohol. Right. And it's just right. It's like, come and, on. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's interesting, but I, but I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm now I'm pro liquid death, but at first I'm like, but then I just, I, I'm pro, I'm pro liquid death, but I'm also like, sad that we have to do that in order to get people to drink water is like to make that you know. like we we live in such a society where it's like it's much cooler if you're drinking a, a can of liquid death to fit in with everybody than you are if like maybe drinking a can of, or a bottle of fiji i don't know uh, no so, it's true know. or like i mean and god bless like people who can drink you know i guess they make a heineken now with zero alcohol because like yeah. A lot of quote unquote non alcoholic beers actually do have alcohol. They and like, do, yeah. You know, yeah. And yeah. so they were like doing these commercials where like the guy felt good because he was able to clink his glass with everybody else's because he had his, you know, yeah. his non alcoholic yeah. Heineken. I was like, yeah. okay. I was like, but uh, can we still I, can we can we continue to evolve yeah. the messaging though that it's just not I, all about yeah. booze? <laughs> yeah, absolutely right. I totally agree. But you know, but yeah, but liquid death for people who don't know, it's mineral water. What the oh, f- totally mineral so- water. It's yummy. <laughs> Guys, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, listen, I love talking to you. I do want to mention really quickly that I had um, a pretty big moment this past July that I want to share with you. Um, uh, during that five-year stretch, I I was working for most of that five-year stretch for that entire five-year stretch. I was working overnights, five night five nights a week, so my social life did not really exist anyway. Yeah. So I did not go out to bars. I did not do that kind of stuff. I was scared to do the things that I, that I had done before. I wanted to stay away mm-hmm. from them. I didn't want to go into a bar because I thought the temptation would be too much. Yeah. Um, so my, my Scott Oaken, by the way, uh, and a whole bunch of people from the Factory Theater, 
they had a Scott was doing a birthday gig for somebody um, in July, and they did it at Tara. They did it at Chief O'Neill's. Uh, which oh was, my gosh! Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and I had not set foot in Chief O'Neill's. This was, by the way, this was just this past July, and uh, I, I, I went. I, I was off the wagon in 2020, and you know, September of October of 2020, I had that horrible relapse, and then I've been sober since then. Um, and this happened just this past July, so it was just a few months ago. And I went, and I didn't know whether I could handle it or not. And I went in, and Manny was there, Allison was there, all you know, uh, Chaz was there. I mean. All of those people that I used to get loaded with and all of the factory people were there and other people that I drank with in a place. I can't tell you the number of times, Tara, that I've gotten hammered, um, you know, in that place. Um, And I walked in and they were on stage and uh, and I saw all my friends and I saw Scott and they played and I was with all those people. I drank ginger ale all night. and I had a fucking great time and I didn't leave till midnight. And it was one of those. It was an epiphany for me. And I, I think you've probably had these. I think a lot of people have where I was like, I can do this. I can yeah. actually do this. The shit that I've been scared of trying to do, thinking that I'm going to, uh, that I'm going to, but I'm going to buckle. And, and I knew it, that all of my friends were there to support me. And, you know, like, uh, you know, you know, a lot of them were like, Hey man, if you need to leave, we understand. If you need to go, totally understand. And I stayed longer yeah. than a lot of people did. And that was a big night for me. And I just wanted to share that with you because it's possible. You know what I mean? It to- I'm so glad you shared that because it is possible. It's not that we hide out and, you know, don't do things. And it's all based on the individual, right? Like it's, yeah. it's all yep. up to you. And I love that you were able to do that because, and you were there, you weren't there to just live vicariously and like drool away other people drank. You were there to show up for your friends. Right. You were there to yep. be part of the community. And yep. so I think when we, you know, my, I was taught that when we go into like situations that are, maybe it's a party, a holiday thing, a, you know, whatever, and maybe there's drinking. If I keep it focused on like, who am I trying to be helpful to? Can I help the hostess? Can I like help yeah, yeah. clean up? Can I, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. put my attention on someone and something else other than me and a drink? I'm probably going to be okay. And it was it was interesting because when I first showed up, people were tentative to drink around me, and that's yeah. awesome. You know what I mean? Like they were they were like, yeah. we won't do, you know. And then you know, like by the end of the night, they were standing next to me doing shots and stuff, and I was like totally fine with it. But, I, <laughs> I but and it. I was like, no, go ahead. I was like, go ahead. It's cool. Have go fun. ahead and do what you need to do. If I freak out, I'll leave. I don't want to impose. I don't want to like you know impede upon you having a good time. If you want to drink, drink. Um, and but at first they were everybody was like, ooh, they were a little shaky. But literally, tw- you know, like two hours later, hi, they're doing shots. Manny's loaded. You know, like the whole. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it. great. It was great. So I, I just want to I wanted to share that with you and to let people know that you can indeed do those things that you used to do without drinking. It can be done. Absolutely. You so. absolutely can. And you listen to your gut. It's like for you, it's like, oh, I felt like staying. So I stayed. And there have been times where I stay a long time. And then other times where I'm like, yeah, Go. this isn't yeah. really going anywhere for yeah. me. I'm getting exactly. home. <laughs> exactly. But it, it turned yeah. out to be a bit, it was a big night for me, uh, a big night in my recovery. I'm so really happy was. for you because it really then, that's got to be such wonderful evidence for you as you continue to be like, okay, what, you know, I, 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 I can do this. I'm, you know, I'm yeah. a sober person and I yeah. can go do stuff, you know? Right. Uh, Tara, it's just been an incredible fun talking with you and so great. And I think you do great work. Uh, VP of funding and marketing at Unity Healthcare in DC. Um, you can help out there too. Uh, Drunk with Hope is the one woman show about uh, uh, stories of women in recovery. And you can check out tarahandron.com. Uh, That's H A N D R O N, Tara T A 
R-A, terahandron.com for more info. And I do want to recommend a movie to you, Tara. Uh, it was my favorite yeah. movie of this of 2022. And, and uh, it's on video on demand and it's on other uh-huh. platforms. Uh, I can't know what you were saying. Which, which one? one? Um, is it the, the Banshees, the Banshees no. of Inishern? No, oh. no, 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 no. Banshees of Inishern is fantastic. But the, the movie that I love the most with an incredible performance by an actress named Andrea Riceboro yes. um, is it's a film called Two Leslie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is about a woman in the throes of alcoholism. It's based on a true story. Uh, the guy who wrote it, it's about the relationship with, that he had with his mother. She won $190,000 um, in a small town in Texas, and it blew the whole thing on booze and screwed up her entire relationship with her son. And the movie is about her trying to climb back um, wow. after that. It is an unbelievable movie, Tara. I'm unbelievable. I was destroyed by it. It was my favorite movie, one of the most accurate and heartbreaking and hopeful, really fucking hopeful movies about alcoholism I have ever seen in my life. And Andrea Riceborough, her performance is one for the ages. It's called called Two Leslie. And please... I Please will, watch I will it, see it. At, at, as soon as you can. It's on Apple TV. It's on all the platforms. It's on video on demand. And please let me know. Text me when you see it. And I, 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 I am so interested to see what your thoughts are. Because I think it's not only an amazing, beautiful movie, but a really important one. So two less. Absolutely. Well, and was, was Mary, did Mary McCormick direct that? No, her husband did. It? Her husband oh, did. Yes. Got it. Okay. Because I follow her. And okay. I saw yes. her posting that, and I was like, oh. It's her yeah. husband's movie. Her husband directed it. And it, yes. Okay. So, and it is, I'm telling you, and Andrea Riceboro is going to, I can't, I've seen it f- four times now, five times. Oh, wow. Oh, and, my gosh. All and, right. Can't and, wait dur- to see it. and seriously, during the last 10 minutes, sobbing, like, uncontrollably. Oh. The first time I saw it, I had to, like, it was at a film festival, and there was another movie following it. I was at Chicago oh. at the Music Box. I had to leave and walk around the block twice, because I couldn't talk to wow. people. Wow. So, two. Oh Two Leslie. It's called Two Leslie. Definitely. I got it. it. I'm okay. going to see it, and I will definitely right. let you know. You're the best, Tara. It was so great catching up with you, and we'll do it again sometime soon, okay? And have a great holiday. Yes. And we didn't even talk about how people can survive during the holidays. You can. You can. You, you can. can make it. You can. God damn it, you can. Um, you can so. be, reach out to good, good, healthy people, and, right. like, yeah, you just – don't get fucked up. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. It's t- and seriously, it's not worth it. And you can do it and you no. can reach out and people are there to help you. I know it's a tough time. The holidays are a tough time uh, for, for, for people in our, in our shoes sometimes, but we, but you can yep. get through it. You can. And uh, if you want to read anything about it or anything, anything associated with that kind of thing, check out Tara's website. Tara, a blast yep. talking to you. Have a great, uh, have a great new year. Okay. Thank you. You too, Nick. And All thank right. you so, so much for having me. Okay, great. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. There you go. Uh, Tara Handron, amazing. All right, let's get to uh, Esmeralda Leon, another amazing woman I get to talk to today. Esmeralda, yeah. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esma, I'm talking about that Esma. Esmeralda Leon, yeah. Esmeralda, yeah, yeah. Esmeralda Leon. There it is. There is the theme song for our good friend Esmeralda Leon. Hi, Esmeralda. Hello. How are you? I'm good. 
How Go are ahead. you? All right. Building Great. up, get, getting ready for the, for the lovely Christmas holiday. Apparently, we're going to have oh. 75 inches of snow, and it's going to be 17 below. Cool. As it should be. <laughs> yeah. Right? Just for Christmas. Just, just for Christmas. <laughs> um, you going out to uh, the family in the, in, the, in the Joliet area? Yes. I will be going to visit uh, the parents and the brother in Joliet. For the Christmas. Because they won't come this way. No. <laughs> no. And I wouldn't either. I wouldn't want them to come here. I'm like, I don't know what we would do. Just sit around my house. You're right. <laughs> It'd be weird. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, all right, cool. Well, have have fun. I mean, we still have another show to do. By the way, it's not just any show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next episode is uh, episode 100. <laughs> That's really good. That was very overwhelming. Ah, um, uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you and I will be uh, hosting that one, the whole show. And um, mm-hmm. I gathered together a bunch of clips from some uh, great guests uh, over these past ninety-nine episodes. Nice. And we will play those back. We've got some uh, lovely little greetings that uh, people have left on the voicemail. Very um, good. Uh, saying congratulations on a hundred and all that cool stuff. And you and I will reminisce about our favorite stuff that we've done in the past one hundred episodes. So we'll be a big celebration for episode number one hundred, and that'll be dropping on Friday, uh, our next episode. But this is episode ninety nine. It's nothing to sneeze at, Esmeralda. Ninety nine is pretty good. No, of course not. <laughs> ninety nine times. That's right. We've do done remember, this so far. Do you remember the song Ninety Nine by Toto? No. No one does. <laughs> It's from their 1981 album, Hydra. <laughs> oh, boy. So this was before, this was the album before, like, uh, uh, Rosanna and um, Africa. That was when mm-hmm. they became, you know, like the heathen Toto. At that point, they were, Toto consisted of really great studio musicians. That's where they came from. Mm-hmm. They were all a whole bunch ah. of studio musicians. Studio musicians that were on a whole bunch of other you know, great artists' albums. They were just like, like they were on Steely Dan records. They were on a whole bunch of different artists' albums, and they all kind of got together and said, hey, why don't we just make our own band? And they did. Mm. And Toto 4 with Africa and Rosanna really put them through. Hydra was, uh, they, had, they had one hit off of Hydra. Of course, you wouldn't count it as a hit because it wasn't number one. But, but Yeah, no, it's uh, not a hit. <laughs> but 99 <laughs> got a little airplay on the AOR market, the FM AOR market. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the early 80s, 99, uh, I can't tell you. You know, it's, I can't remember, but 99 was the song. Okay. And so we should be playing that right now. I should be playing that song right now, only I can't really play songs on the podcast because we'll get sued. <laughs> um, but yeah, 99 by, uh, not 99 Luft Balloons. That's different. Right. This is just 99 by Toto. And I'm trying to remember, Hold the Line, I believe, was their hit. Can you Google that real quick? Hold the Line. What, Toto's hit? Yeah, Toto's hit off of that album, off of Hydra. Oh, okay. I was like, uh, no, 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 because Africa. I think it's that Africa song. No, Africa and Rosanna. Those were the big ones, and those were on Toto 4. But the album Hydra, which came up before that, which has 99 on it, which is the song that I'm referencing because. Yes. But Hold the Line, I believe, was the the Um, bigger hit uh, on on the album Hydra. Hold the Line. Love isn't always on time. You know that song? No. This is it is not on this album. It's not. No. What's on Hydra then? What are some of the Hydra? Yeah. All Us Boys. Uh White Sister. Uh St. George and the Dragon. 
Okay. Lorraine, Mama, A Secret Love. And Oh, that's 99. only eight. What about 99? Yeah, and 99. Wow, okay. No, that makes sense. Back in the eight. Okay, oh, wow. What, what is Hold the Line on? Is that on Toto 4, then? Hold the line. Mm, Love isn't always on time. Love isn't always on time. You remember? Oh, you wait, remember? I think I know that one. Because then, yeah. then it has like a dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Love isn't always on. Yeah. Yeah. I've. That is on. That's on Toto 4? Wow. Let's see here. All right. I I was. Okay. I don't know what it's on. All right. Whatever. (laughs) I think it might be on. It's on their debut. Oh, on their first album. So it's before Hydra. Studio album. Okay. Mm. All right. Well, anyway, 99. That's what episode we're on right now. And I've completely blown through a lot of time talking about fucking Toto. Which I'm sure people were thrilled about. Um, oh, I'm sure Toto's happy about. Yeah, Toto. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're listening. They're just like, I hope Nick mentions us. <laughs> um. So, but you know that two of the uh, two of the most popular songs ever were written about Rosanna Arquette. You know that, right? Two of the most popular oh, wow. songs of all time. That one, Rosanna, mm-hmm. by uh, by Toto. And you know what the other one is? No. In your eyes, Peter Gabriel. That's written about Rosanna Arquette. Jesus. Yeah. That's a lot to like. I was going to (laughs) say. I mean, especially in your eyes, because that's considered one of the most beautiful love songs of all time. And Peter Gabriel wrote that about uh, Roseanne Arquette. Goodness. Well, that's nice. She's a she's a she's quite a gal. Good for her. her I like her sister, too, very much. Yeah, the Arquettes are. I love the whole family. They're lovely. Yes. Um, Or they seem lovely. I don't know. them. No, they're lovely. Um. (laughs) So uh, a voicemail from the past happened, an old listener. Mm-hmm. Uh, who I, It's amazing to me. We've been doing this now for almost a year. As you know, we're celebrating episode number 100 this week. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, people are like, oh, you got a podcast? They're still finding out. And that's cool. I don't care how long <laughs> it takes people. Right. I don't care, you know, how, how they did it or they, the fact that they discovered the podcast and then go, oh, I'm excited about it. You know, I don't care that we're, you know, like 99 episodes deep and they're discovering it now. That's awesome. But here's a message that was left by uh, a, a listener that dates way back. Here's a quick voicemail message, and I'll, and I'll, I'll quickly explain afterwards, but I had to play this. Mm-hmm. Nick, long time no talk. It's Ray from behind the Big Indian on 63rd and Pulaski. Have since moved to the far northwest side, and uh, I just heard that you got a podcast going. I think you're around 100 episodes. Just found out I'm going to be a listener if I could figure out this damn podcast thing. And, uh, yeah, uh, it's been a long time. Uh, last time I think I talked to you, uh, I was uh, in the uh, delivery room of Lutheran General Hospital before my son was getting born, and my son just turned 13. So uh, I go way back with you guys, uh, knocking out the lights in the uh, uh, gym at Luther North. And, uh, of course, uh, can I get a schwig? All right, brother. Talk to you later. God bless. Um, that's Ray. And when he says from behind the Indian at thirty uh, at 63rd and Pulaski, he means the big, uh, yeah, Indi- Indian, the big statue. Indian yeah, Yeah, the big Indian statue. And, well, and Ray, uh, who was a regular listener, used to get drunk and go out on his back porch and shoot arrows into the back of the Indian. Oh, no. <laughs> <That's> 
He would go. Oh out. wow! And he would call me at like two o'clock in the morning. And go, all right, I'm going to go out on the back porch and shoot the Indian. He'd go out with, a, with oh. a, a bow and arrow set and shoot arrows. So if you ever all drove right. past whatever it is now, it used to be a muffler place. I don't know what it is, or if it's still there. I don't even know if it's still there. The big Indian at 63rd and Pulaski. If there were arrows stuck in the Indian's butt or in his back, that was Ray. That was Ray. Oh, He'd wow. get drunk and shoot the Indian with arrows. So, uh, and then he moved to the northwest side, whatever. And he's referring to uh, the lights being kicked out. I've told you the story about my friend in high school who had the glass eye who kicked out the lights in the right in Luther North. Yeah. Okay. So he, that's an old story. And then the whole Schwig thing happened at a Dave Matthews show I went to like in the mid-90s. Mm. where everybody tried to rush down because everybody was high. and dr- You've been to Dave. No, you've never been to Dave Matthews shows, of course. Not. No, I have. Oh, you I had ha- an oh. ex. That's right. Your ex was a Dave guy. <sighs> <That's>... <laughs> I love that response. Um, and as you know, I've, I've seen Dave multiple into triple digits almost uh, mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the shows I went to very early on, this was like maybe my fifth or sixth show, uh, was at, I want to say at The World. Oh, yeah, the, the the Tweeter Center or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Uh, where yeah, you yeah. used to work. And um, some people were trying to sneak in, and I had pavilion seats. I was like, I had fifth row, and I had great, I had a great, I was by myself, and I had great seats. And uh, a dude snuck up and stood next to me, you know, with the puka shells, the whole fucking thing. You know what I mean? Like the, <laughs> of course. The whole white boy douchebag puka thing. But he was like 19, he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm drinking a beer and I'm watching the show and I'm, I'm about almost finished with my beer. There's probably like maybe three gulps left. And he's standing okay. next to me. He's like, you mind if I stand here, dude? Because security, you might have tried to, you might have been trying to kick him out. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, well, I wasn't security. I was an usher. You were not. Okay. But well, whatever. He wouldn't he was, have gotten, he wouldn't have gotten past me. God damn right. He wouldn't have gotten past you into that pavilion. Five rows away from the Kick it. <laughs> So anyway, he got past you or somebody, Esmeralda, some, some right. somebody who clearly wasn't you. Um, and he's standing next to me, and I'm, like, annoyed because he's, like, pushing his way in. And I'm like, dude, this is mm. my – I paid for this seat, you fucking idiot. Go back on the yeah, lawn. Yeah, there's seats. Yeah. Yeah. And we, everybody was standing because it's Dave, and everybody was drunk and standing or high. Right. And so we're all standing kind of dancing around to Dave, and this idiot's standing next to me, and he's like, oh, dude, I don't want to get busted. And I'm like, well, get the fuck – you know. And when he started <laughs> to push me, I would push back. I'm like, dude, this is my area. And yeah. then finally, at one point, we're we're there, and he's and it's and it's fine. He's got enough room, and, and all of a sudden, he he hits me. He's like, "Yeah!" Like after a certain song, I can't remember what it was. Oh lord! He's like, "Yeah!" And he goes for the high five, and I'm like, "No, man, no." And then he goes, "Yeah, come on, dude. Hey, give me a swig." He wanted to drink from my beer. He goes, "Can I get a swig?" Uh, and I was hmm. like, "It's all. It's like there were like three sips left, and it was like July." You know what I mean? Like, you walk up to a stranger and <laughs> this, this is a backwash. Exactly. I mean, this is, I know it's pre-COVID, but still. But you're also, like, just asking people to drink, like, their, the dregs of their beer. Like, yeah. Mm, what, what it okay. was, if I remember correctly, he had a pill of some kind that he wanted to mm-hmm. enjoy. You know what I mean? Like he. Well, he, he's yeah. just gonna have to get that down. You gotta massage your neck. That's I believe is what like, the, like a to duck. You gotta exactly. <laughs> so anyway, he asked for a schwig. So that's what mm-hmm. Ray was referring to. I told that story mm-hmm. before. So anytime you want a sh- you want a drink from somebody, just ask for a schwig. According to oh, this Lord. douchebag. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I didn't give him a schwig. I told him to fuck off. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, anyway, that's Ray. Hi, Ray. Welcome. One hundred episodes, ninety-nine episodes deep. I'm glad you. And and it's not very yeah. hard to figure. I out I hope he figures podcast. it out. 
Yeah. It's not hard. Is it hard? No, I don't think. No, but it depends. Well, it depends on because you can you can go to radiomisfits.com. Yeah. And you can find it there and you can just click play and it'll right. play. Yeah. But, you know, if you want to take it out on the road. Yeah. You're on anything, your phone or you gotta, anything. You, you got to know how to meet a Spotify yeah. or an Apple the, something the, or other. Or, yeah. It's not, but it's not hard. And you can, and to make it easy, just subscribe, right? You can subscribe right, right. on the, you can subscribe on the platforms. You can subscribe at radiomisfits.com. Then that way it just pops in. You don't have to do anything, but every Tuesday and every Friday you go, oh, look, a new episode. And then you can listen anytime you want at your leisure, bro. So there you go. Anyway, welcome back, Ray. <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, megaphone. By the message. way, uh, yeah, yeah. real quick, yeah. uh, according to the Google Maps, the Indian is still there. Oh, good. Uh, it is a family dental. Oh, right. Okay, so it's been it's a family above a dental. It's a family dental. It's been a long time for, uh, for it to be a family dental. And I don't know. Yeah. I, my guess is that he's whole, no, right? Because like, when it turned into a muffler place, they put a muffler in the Indian's hands to make it look like it was a muffler place. <laughs> he's, he, they didn't do anything to him. Oh, they didn't. Dental so there's not like a, he doesn't have a drill or a mask on. He's just, he's, no. Okay. Although that'd be fun if he had a giant toothbrush. He should. That's what I'm saying. Because what they did was, like, for a while, it was a carpet place, so they put a roll of carpet in his arms. And then when it turned into a muffler place, they put a muffler. So they should put dental tools in the guy's hand, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah. They should put a mask on him. That's. I mean, you know, that's good for COVID, too. Just put a a mask on the Indian. Although I think he is six feet away from anyone, so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he certainly is. He certainly is. And not far enough away from Ray to shoot him with fucking arrows because he used to do that. Right? He'd call me up 2 o'clock in the morning and go, all right, dude, I'm going out on the porch. And I'm like, you know, policemen listen to this show. <laughs> See, now I'm looking at I'm looking at the Google Maps of the houses behind that. There's someone, <laughs> there's someone standing in the walking on the sidewalk. Maybe it's Ray. <laughs> it, well, Ray now lives on the northwest side, as he said. He lives near me now. Mm. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe, you know. Maybe maybe he's uh, he's shooting an arrow into the, you know, into what what is there a big monument near me? I don't know if there is any. Is there Uh, a statue near us? Do we have a big statue of any kind that he can uh, shoot arrows into in our area? Because you're not far from where I live. Not really. Not that I know of. Nothing is nothing is iconic as the Big Indian. Right. Right. Yeah, we don't have. No. Yeah. I can't right. think well, of thank anything. you, Ray. Find a, find something to shoot your arrows. I think he's actually not going to do that anymore. He's got a kid. He's thirteen. This was years ago. This was he like could 20... teach the child. To <laughs> he could shoot teach the arrows. Child. Let's let's take a trip down to thirty sixth and sixty Pula- third and Pulaski, oh, kid. I'll show you what I used to do when I was a kid. I wonder if there are still oh, arrows no. stuck in the Indian. I wonder if Ray's. I don't arrows know. Are still I can't. You you know Google Maps. You can only move them move around yeah. so much. Yeah. So I can't see really like behind. Yeah. The Indian. Mm. Well, I mean, unless they're doing maintenance on them, I don't. I think the arrows are probably still there. All right, that would be cool. All right. Well, anyway, Ray, welcome. One hundred uh, episodes uh, deep. Uh oh. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I Hi, love Nick's show. Carrie, oh, oh, oh no. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and oh. I love Nick's show. She's got an arrow in her butt. What? What? <laughs> She really takes these conversations to heart. <laughs> Maybe because really... Ray said Ray said he's on the northwest side. Maybe he's shooting arrows. Oh, at Gary. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah! 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 yeah. Oh yeah! All right. Anyway, um, are you ready for the magic megaphone message? 
Oh, yes. Again, if you want uh, me to say something into the magic megaphone, it's a message of some kind, or to plug something, to do whatever you want, it's turned into a big bit. And I'm still playing catch-up on a lot of them. But again, keep them coming, and I will, requ- I will make all the requests. Uh, leave your message uh, email-wise at nickdpodcast at, uh, at gmail.com, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Tell me what to say in the megaphone, and I'll say it. Or voicemail at 773-417-6948. I will explain, as I normally do, Esmeralda, I will explain what this means after I play it. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Jealousy. Unacceptable. Jealousy. Unacceptable. So. Jealousy. <laughs> Unacceptable. So. Jealousy. Right. Unacceptable. Okay. So, so you heard what mm-hmm. it was, right? Yes. Jealousy. Unacceptable. That's all mm-hmm. she wanted me to say. This is from Jackie. Okay. Jackie says, I have okay. a megaphone message request. Not really going to explain it all to you, but could you please say jealousy very loudly and intensely, and then unacceptable immediately after that at the same volume and intensity. It's wait an a insi- minute. What? So wait, she's. <laughs> I like that she's now just doing, people are sending in their inside jokes and won't explain them to us. <laughs> Well, it's a quick. There's a quick kind of explanation here at the end. Okay. She says I love it's, an that. In, it's an inside joke between my husband and I, and he will appreciate it when it hear he hears it on the podcast. So no, we don't really get an explanation. <laughs> we don't get. One. <laughs> oh, they're using us for their goodness. I hope there's no state secrets anybody's trying to. <laughs> Unacceptable. Right. So that was it's it, nobody else listening to this podcast except for Jackie and her husband will get that. Yes. And again, that's the and nature. the people from the resistance. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's some sort of code, isn't it? Now we feel like it's we're... It's a code. <laughs> yes, we, we're helping out the resistance. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, if you have some sort of resistance thing that you want us to... Some secret message you want us to send. <laughs> we will some decoder it. ring exactly. situation, if you want. <laughs> All right, so jealousy is unacceptable, apparently. There's an inside story mm-hmm. there that we don't know, Esmeralda. But that's, right. for the most case, isn't that just a, <laughs> isn't that true of all things, though? Isn't it true of most people? Jealousy is unacceptable? Yes. Yeah. Have you ever... I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever been with someone who's, like, insanely jealous? No. No, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't last. You'd be like, fuck off immediately? Yeah, the second that they, there would be any inkling, I'd be like, no. <laughs> We're done now. We're done. Yeah, and I, I and, and somehow I would expect that from you. I wouldn't expect. Yeah. I wouldn't expect no, I expect no, thanks. That. And the people who are like that are usually quick. Like they will show their colors, their yeah. true colors, very quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It is true. All right. Okay. Well, um, we've got some snacks to get to, and my dad is going mm-hmm. to uh, tell a joke. Uh, one really quick. We've been doing these celebrity, uh, romantic celebrity stories. Yes. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, one of them, uh, involved, uh, Kristen Stewart enjoying, uh, unshowered sex. And when the man is filthy mm-hmm. and smelly and licking armpits and mm-hmm. stuff like that, um, <laughs> just licking armpit. Why you gotta lick it? You gotta lick know. the I, armpit. It, I just, that actually made me happy when I heard that. That made me See, happy. but then if you think of what if it has deodorant on it and then you're, de- yeah. Mm, yeah. Especially and if you just like got a the, layer of deodorant on your yeah. tongue. Especially if it's like axe, then do you become a douchebag by default by licking? Does the douchiness does the douchiness of uh, of axe just enter your body if you lick an armpit covered with axe deodorant? Oh, oh god! So we have that, but a couple of really quick ones. Oh, by the way, Zanies, uh, we have a live uh, show on uh, mm-hmm. January seventeenth. 
with great comedian yes. uh, Dwayne Kennedy. So get your tickets now. It's going to be a blast. My dad's going to tell a joke. You and me on stage. 847-813-0484, rosemont.zanies.com. Tuesday, January 17th, legendary Emmy Award winning Dwayne Kennedy is our guest, and we're going to have a great time. So get your tickets now. So a- Andy Roddick and Brooklyn Decker. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, Andy Roddick, is he, what is he? Is he a car driver? Is that what he is? He's a... I think he's um, uh, a tennis. Like a oh, he's a tennis player. Okay, I don't. Clearly, I I'm not. I'm not up I on think. this. Let's see. Brooklyn Decker is yes. an actress, tennis. an actress model. Mm-hmm. And Andy Roddick and Brooklyn Decker used their middlemen, used their agents as middlemen when they started dating. Andy asked his agent to give Brooklyn's agent his number, and Brooklyn considers that an act of chivalry. I guess. And again, this is stuff it, that you and I It sounds I will very never middle school. Yeah. Although you could, I guess you could, you could put rather than agents, friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you could for the regular people, you can put and use their friend as middlemen. Yeah. Okay. Which again, I'm kind of like, we're not in, we're not in middle school. Like, is it? But is it like a is it like a status thing? Like especially if he like works for a big like his agent his agency is a big one like it's CAA or somebody. Like oh, so he's trying to show off yeah, with like, his look, agent. You know, like I don't. I think the, he's he's he's. I think I, he's a big enough name where he doesn't have to do that, right? I mean, I would think, but also, who knows? He could be very shy. He's a very shy guy. He's a shy guy, and Brooklyn Decker's hot. So I guess that. Um, you know, maybe maybe that was a, a way of like I don't maybe I can't approach this woman because she's so hot. Right. Also, yeah. he might not know her like at all. He didn't know her like whatsoever. Right. So, and that is kind of weird if you just roll up on somebody. Yeah, but but if you not... roll up and go like if but if you're like Michael Douglas and you roll up and go, I would like to have your children. You know what I mean? Like that. <laughs> I guess, but again, like we were like I was saying last time because they're on a whole their level. They're regular people, you know what I mean? Right. Like to them, they're whatever. They're reg. It's same right. level. So right. when you say weirdo things like that, it's weird. Yeah, that's true. But or, the normals, yeah, the normies were fine. We're like, oh, right. ooh. I think it's, maybe he just didn't know her. That's probably. And then what he it asked was. the agent to get the number because then there's like a little bit of a buffer, and it's not so weird. And then also, what's kind of nice? I mean, I mean, not for Andy, but for Brooklyn. Is that then the agent tells her, and she can even ask the agent, be like, "Is he cool? Like, is he gonna be a, yeah. is he a weirdo? Like, yeah, exactly. should I not say anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, does he like to lick dirty armpits? I don't want anything. Yeah, because he... I'll get. <laughs> That's not Robert. Robert Pattinson was next in line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is there a, one more here that you wanna that you would like to touch on that uh, from this article about the celebrities doing weird lovey dovey stuff? Um, I, well, I don't, I think this is kind of, I'm not sure how to think about this one with Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, She believes that the secret to a happy relationship is to mutually agree to ignore one another during busy times. Yeah. Which, so again, on their levels, they're like filming movies and like doing insanely busy things and like going to this and going to that. Right, and they're off like on location in Greece and stuff. You know what I mean? Like yes. busy, busy time for you and me is you know like you're walking, <laughs> you're walking a lot of dogs and and right. you know 
and I'm and I'm not doing at, at this point doing anything, <laughs> but but you know like. Uh, you know, like back in the day, uh, like busy. Well, you have time to go see all be, movies. You I got to see movies, movies. and so yeah, that's not. The, people are like, "Fuck off!" That's how you're busy. You go see movies. <laughs> yeah, but you can't. You know, you can't talk to people, right? Or text them or do anything while you're watching the movie. But but you and I being busy is different than Jennifer Lawrence. You know, like on location in France for sure. You know what you know. So what I mean? my thing, my thing with this is, like, are you both busy? At the same time, because it depends on who you're dating. Like she's married to pretty some messed up. She's married to some rich dude now. They got kids and stuff. Oh, but, is she? I oh yeah, no, some, no, some guy. No, she's married to some <laughs> rich dude. Um, well, she's rich too, so it doesn't really matter. That's another point, right? But, but they have a kid now, and she settled down. But she was like off, like doing a lot of dudes. Like she was with uh, Aronofsky for a while when they made Mother. Right. Um, <laughs> he's 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 had a lot of healthy relationships considering what he's done. <laughs> Like Rachel Weiss was with him for a while. They were married for a while. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I, somebody interviewed Rachel Weiss, Weiss after Mother came out, and she went, "Yeah, that that movie makes a lot of sense." <laughs> after they were married, after they got divorced, because she's with uh, Bond now, Rachel Weiss. Oh she's yeah, with, yeah, uh, yeah. She's married to uh, Daniel Craig, but she was married to uh, Aronofsky. Um, Right around, you know, they did, they did the fountain together, and um, like during the whole wrestler, like right around Black Swan, mm-hmm. I think is when they broke up. They broke up like, oh, like okay, ten, twelve years ago, they broke up. Uh, and then when they when when you know they were making Mother, they were Jennifer Lawrence and and Aronofsky were together, and and she doesn't have kind things to say about Aronofsky. Damn. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm surprised he didn't start dating Brendan Fraser. Uh, when they were making the whale, so that he could be depressed. <laughs> I, and again, I'm spe- you're speaking to someone who loves Darren Aronofsky's movies, but I wouldn't date him. I know that. Right. <laughs> I would not date him. That's off limits. <laughs> make That's those my movies, line. Make those insane, in-your-face, unsubtle movies, and I'll watch them all the time, but I don't want to date but you. Don't try to date me. <laughs> don't send your agent to my house <laughs> <laughs> if you ever, yeah, if you ever see him, you just, just tell him and be like, hey, hey, yeah. nope, yeah. no yep. dating. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and All right. I love Nick's show. She's got a sign that says you can't date Darren. That's what it Hi, says, I'm right? Carrie wow. Russell, and I love Nick's show. All right, she's walking out. Oh, she's got two arrows in her butt now. I don't know what's going on. Yikes. Right. So, anyway. <laughs> um, hey, you want to try some uh, some candy? Yes. All right. We've been doing this again, Deanna, um, who, by the way, every year sends me Christmas gifts. And she, again, this year, I just opened them up this weekend. She sent them to me. She goes out of her way. She also, she makes things. She made a really wonderful Christmas wreath for my parents' door. She oh, made my it. goodness. She's incredibly uh, generous and lovely and wonderful and creative. And she's very crafty. And she does all kinds of really cool stuff. And uh, She got me a bunch of pens because you know how much I like pens, Esmeralda. Yes. And uh, yes. they all have. Well, you like to click them. I do, and I also like to have. You know, like I don't know if you remember, but back in the, at the car wash days, I used to have like a line of pens that I would keep next to me at all times. I would mm-hmm. have at least ten pens. And next to me uh, at my uh, at my table here, where I do the podcast, I now have um, a coffee mug that she gave me that says "I'm spooky all year round." Aww. And uh, a bunch of pens that she got me that have different messages on them. Like do you have one twenty of them says, pens now. There's a bunch of them. Like, they say things like, one says, I hate you too. 
Um, one says, I don't care. One says, that idea is garbage. One says, blah, blah, blah. One says, leave me alone. She knows me. Nice. One says, Very no, sweet. no one cares. Uh, <laughs> and my favorite is the pen that just says, your face is weird. So those are... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, that's great. So anyway, she sent us all these Japanese candies and snacks. So what are we trying yes. uh, right now? Um, so let's, let's try the, um, the bag with the, um, what I found out doing a little research yeah. uh, is Baby Star. That's her name? That's the, the, the name of this that's character. the character that's on the bag. Is Baby Star. So that's it's this star. little girl wearing a little hat with stars on it, a little poof, and yeah. a microphone. So she's right. like, yeah, she's a little Baby Star. Okay. And these are kind of like, what are they? They look like little ramen noodles, right? Before they're cooked. They're, they are. They're essentially like chopped up ramen noodles with okay. with like tape flavors. And right. I looked at their website. So we noticed that they had on the cover, there's like dishware or whatever. Right. So apparently you can win this. Oh. There's a so con- They win. have like, you can get points. So you get points for doing stuff on their website and stuff. And then oh. you can you can get stuff. Oh, okay. So and let's they're also this. having, <laughs> sure, they're also having some kind of thing where, yeah. So you have to collect so many, and then I think they're raffling. So okay. one is a ramen, a ramen set, and then the other one is a vacuum with the rom, a picture of the the ramen bits on top. It's one oh. of those, um, okay, one of those like electric ones. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, cool. All right, all right. So so let's open them up, and they're little. It's little snack. Does it say what kind of flavor it is on the on the bag? Um, that I don't know. All right, hold on. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, good. I've eaten something like this, and it's genius. Because I always, whenever I make ramen, mm-hmm. I always um eat the little bits that fell off. Or, I have been known to just eat the ramen. <laughs> just Dry, the heart- as is. Yeah. <laughs> What about the, do you put the powder on it when you eat it? You know, I never thought to do that. Because that's what this is. I like the flavor. Yeah. I like the that, flavor of the ramen on its own. If, if, if you were to describe this, it's like it's uncooked ramen, but it's like someone crunched up the ramen, the hard mm-hmm. ramen, in a bag. Well, it's not, and then, it's, and not then, co- it's not uncooked. It's like flash fried or something. Yeah. But I mean, but it's, it's like the, like the, the 25 cent ramen that you get. Right. Except. That the salty packet of spices is dumped on it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's essentially what it is. It's like hard ramen with the with the packet of spice. It's good. This is lovely. You know, I have you high blood, get... I have high blood pressure, and I'm sure it's like right through the fucking roof right now eating this. <laughs> oh, I was told. I went to the doctor recently. I was told um I'm in the in the like I'm gonna get it slash you can still fix it. <laughs> What, high blood pressure? Yes. <laughs> Welcome to my world, Esmeralda. So I have to stop <laughs> as hey, I'm eating these. <laughs> you, know when it, you know when it happened to me? Mm. Right around my 40th birthday. So. Oh, cool. Cool. Thank yeah. you. That, no, no, I'm just saying. Uh-huh. Thanks. It's a normal thing, though. It's a normal thing. No, it's not. <laughs> sure it is. You take a pill in the morning, and then, uh, you know, it's fine. Um, um, but yeah. All right. All right. Well, these are good. With Delicious. what's her name again? Slappy the the Slappy the singer. What's her name? Baby Star. Oh, Baby Star. Okay. Now the next thing looks like it's going to be a fruit roll up of some kind. Mm-hmm. Do we have and a name isn't. on this? Um, no, I couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. I thought you did the thingy. 
Yeah, let me try to translate. I think I did do a translation. I tried to do it, but it wasn't letting me. I just got fruits. <laughs> well, let me see what this is. Let me see what it says here. I'll do a quick, uh, oops. What the fuck? I don't think there's anything that I could. Oh, wait. Hold on. Yaukin. Yaukin is the brand. Okay, Yaukin. All right, hold on. So it might be, I mean, it's just candy. Um. Uh, upon opening it, though, it is not like a fruit roll-up. It's not. No. Okay. It's strings. Right. Oh, it's string. Oh, yeah. All right. It's it is. It's little strings that you can pull apart. All right. Okay. Well, so this might be similar. I'm trying to. I found something similar, and it's called like paper candy. I don't know what that means. Because okay. they're like strings. It's like. It is. They're different colored strings that you can pull. Yeah. It's like string cheese, but but sticky. But gummy. Candy. Very gummy. Very, very gummy. Mm-hmm. All right, let me try this. Mm. All right. Oh, it's ginger. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this, yeah. Oh, man, this is good. Mmm. Oh, I right, like so the ginger like, flavor. It's very sticky and gummy and gooey. Uh, and it's got little uh, little sparkles on it. Little crunchy oh. sparkles. Oh, yeah. You mean sugar? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, that's what it is. There it is. <laughs> crunchy sparkles. Little crunchy sparkles. Sugar. Sugar, Nick. <laughs> oh, is that what it is, Esmeralda? It is. It's fucking sugar. What an idiot I am. No, the little sparkly things. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. So they do have some that are like straight. They look like fruit roll-ups, and those are the paper candy. I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure what these are called. I don't know what this is exactly, but it's like, well, it's it's little thin strings. They're like that are pull apart. Together. Oh, you know what it reminds me of? Mm-hmm. A better, um, um, ugh, what's that stuff? That licorice? Twizzlers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you know they sell the pull apart ones now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the, the the consistency is much uh, rubbery. It's the, the consistency of um, mm, which is like just good. gummy. Yeah, no, like a, like it's a, like a sour patch gummy. kid. It is totally, and yes, when you eat, a, oh man, I just got a sour kick. This is lovely. I like it's this. Good. So the so the salty ramen. Which puts both of our blood pressures at risk <laughs> is quite tasty, and mm-hmm. the gooey and the gooey gummy uh, strings covered mm-hmm. in what is this uh, sticky uh, <laughs> crystally substance? Sweetness, the sweet, the sweet thing, the sweet mm. crystally thing. What's that stuff called? The again? sweet this? sparkly crystals. What is that uh, again? Sugar. Oh, sugar. sugar. Oh, yes. <laughs> Some kind of sparkle on it. How are you? How is it possible that you've done 99 episodes with a jackass like me? I don't know how. Mm, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, uh Uh-oh, wait a minute. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Yeah, hi, Carrie. I love Nick's show. Okay, let my dad in. Have some gummy candy. Have some gummy. Here, have some here. I'll throw some at you. Here you go. All right. All right. Uh Uh-oh. It's the best part of the week, baby. It's time to hear something funny. 
Here we go. With your music intro. Ah! It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Yeah. What'd I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. As you know, my dad uh, stops by every Tuesday to tell a joke. He's been telling jokes for many, many yeah. years, all the way back to my GN days. And he's going to be telling a joke live uh, on stage at Zany's, like he did in November. Uh, but mm-hmm. my dad says to me, are you sure you want me to come up and tell a joke on the 17th? What else I is he going to do? Yeah, but he's like, you sure? And I'm like, yeah, of course, Dad. It's going to be great. He goes, yeah, but your guest is like Dwayne Kennedy, and he's a really great stand-up, and I don't want to. And I'm like, Dad. <laughs> He was like, no, I don't want to go up. You know, your, your guest is Dwayne Kennedy. And I'm like, I understand. Because <laughs> Dwayne Kennedy is one of the best stand-ups ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Dad, mm-hmm. don't even worry about that. And I you could know. see I could see the concern, but... Yeah. But Dwayne's different. not doing a set. Dwayne's not doing a set. That, too. That, yeah. too. But also, I mean, it's different. Yeah. There's different things in comedy. That's right. This is a, This is a thing... What Dwayne does is a thing. Like, they're different, right. in my opinion. And I just think different, it's going to be really yeah, nice. Still good. I think it's going to be really nice. One, my dad is going to kill, because he always does. Mm-hmm. When, he, when he did this in November, he was the best part of the fucking show. So he'll By be By the way, if he's not on, people will be very mad. Oh, no, they will be pissed. Back. They will demand their money back <laughs> if my dad doesn't come on. But, and on top of that, you know, uh, it'll be great. You know, but, I, but also, just I think there is some sort of weird sort of closure or, or wonderful circle on this because I opened for mm-hmm. Dwayne once. Oh, so, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, so it's like, oh, okay, all right. My dad and I have both worked with Dwayne Kennedy on a stage at Zany's. I think that's pretty cool. Very nice. So, anyway. All right, Dad, you got a joke? Uh, yeah, here, here, go ahead. Bruce Lee had a brother who was a vegetarian who is a vegetarian. Broccoli. <laughs> Wait, <what? laughs> Wait, hold on. I'll All right, this is, a, this is a jokey, jokey time. It was no, a jokey, it's not really. Jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. Right. My dad kind of stumbled a little bit on that one. I just to, to, a little behind the scenes uh, uh, story here, Esmeralda. Mm-hmm. My dad comes over here to my place to record those, and we do about mm-hmm. eighteen at a time, just so I have them backlogged for each week. Mm-hmm. And we usually do them at like six o'clock in the morning. Oh God! Because, yeah. Long story. My parents wake up at four. You know what I mean? They're they're they're, in their, they're my my parents my late my mom is in the late seventies. My dad's in his early eighties. So they get up at four o'clock in the morning. So I oh stay over gosh. there on Saturday nights into Sunday morning. And then usually on Sunday yeah. morning, my dad's like, "I'll take you home," and it's six o'clock in the morning. Oh my God! So I have not even come- some breakfast. No, 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 no. I'm like, all right, come on, I'll just go home. So it's like six o'clock in the morning. My dad usually drops me off on a Sunday morning, and then I usually, mm-hmm. you know, I'll catch up and whatever, do some stuff, and then I'll sleep in on on Sunday. But usually yeah. on Sunday morning at 6 a.m., that's when we record, like, a series mm-hmm. of jokes. So mm-hmm. my dad probably told this joke was probably number 15 of, of 18 when he recorded it. Yeah. And he kind of stumbled on it. But the joke is Bruce Lee has a vegetarian mm-hmm. brother. Mm-hmm. Brocco Lee. Oh. See? Now, see? Okay. There you go. He's, he see, was a you little... got the sugar thing. You with the sugar. <laughs> And it's me with the jokes because there's been a few where I've there not have been. Yeah. understood. This is why we work so well together, Ezreal. This is why we work exactly. so well together. Um, anyway, uh, speaking of working together, we are going to celebrate episode number 100 
uh, mm-hmm. which will happen on Friday. And you and I will be the only participants of that episode. And we'll play back. I got a bunch of clips we're going to play back. And um, think about some of your favorite things we've done in the past 100 episodes, if you can, if you got any. Okay. <laughs> think yeah. about that. And we'll celebrate episode number 100. That's all coming up. Uh, and and uh, we'll uh, also, uh, uh, we'll, we'll hold off on the snack thing. We'll go back to that in episode 101, okay? Okay. So we'll do the Japanese snack thing a week from today. We'll get back to that. So anyway, I'll have to uh, bring that's my own snacks. You have to bring your day. own snacks. That's right. <laughs> so uh, anyway, episode 100 is the next episode, and it's going to be a big celebratory fun. I want to thank Esmeralda. You rule. Uh, always great. Oh, thank you. See you for episode 100. Thanks to my dad for the joke. Thanks to Ed and everybody at Radio Misfits, Jason Skaggs for all the cool themes and all the cool stuff. You want to be a part of the Nick D Podcast, voicemail us 24-773-417-6948. Email us with anything you want to email us about. If you got a megaphone message, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. You want to be a sponsor, sales at radiomisfits.com. And uh, rate and review us on every platform, subscribe, and all that cool stuff. And I want to thank uh, uh, Tara Hendren for, uh, for joining us um, uh, on this episode. And we will see you for episode number 100 on Friday. Thanks, everybody, for, uh, for listening to the Nick D Podcast.